It is often said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results. Well, nearly every person in the United States who values liberty agrees that our current system of being ruled by a few elites in Washington, D.C. is not working. Yet, we have all been trying the exact same methods for 240 years to reform the federal government. And that method is voting for better people to rule us from Washington, D.C. For the people of one nation to peacefully coexist, they must share the same set of core values. They can differ on some methods and some non-critical policies, but they must share the same foundational values. In 1776, every American colonist likely shared the same set of core values, maximum individual liberty, absolute freedom of speech, the unrestricted right to self-defense, and property rights that could not be violated by anyone, even government officials. As many of you know, in 1772, colonists from the town of Ware, New Hampshire, brutally beat the Hillsborough County Sheriff and his deputy just for attempting to enforce the government's legal seizure of a man's white pine trees. The government passed a law, the designated enforcers did their job and tried to enforce that law. And the colonists violently resisted with force. And they are celebrated as heroes. And that story was one of the catalysts for the secession that we all celebrate every Independence Day on July 4th. Today, not everyone in the United States still believes in those core values though. And roughly half of the people in the United States hold beliefs that are totally antithetical to those pro-freedom values. They believe in government guaranteed equality, collectivism, massive taxation and redistribution of wealth, strict or total gun control, government-run education, government-run healthcare, and the belief that government can and should control the lives of every individual in nearly every way. These two groups of people cannot live together in one nation under one set of laws because no one set of laws could possibly be tolerated by both groups. The simplest analogy would be forcing a practicing identifiable Jew and a Nazi to live in the same house. It simply cannot end well and can only end in a breakup or real violence. And it seems that every day we see more evidence that the 330 million individuals in the United States do not share the same set of values. From gun control to taxes and from foreign policy to drug laws, and we can add corona fascism now as well, there is clearly no consensus among all people in all 50 states. We in New Hampshire are facing two critical issues. First, we are an increasingly libertarian state composed of people who love liberty, while many of the other states do not value liberty as much as they value equality and public health. Second, we are increasingly abused by corrupt and incompetent politicians who live in Washington, D.C., and they force us to fund our own abuse. Once New Hampshire peacefully separates from the D.C. politicians, many, possibly every aspect of our lives, will immediately and drastically improve. Here are just a few examples. Each individual in New Hampshire will save an average of 20 to 40,000 or more dollars per year on federal income taxes, not to mention no more corporate taxes and all the other federal taxes. We would all regain the natural right to own property, including suppressors, short-barreled rifles, and any other item that is federally banned or controlled that we want to own. Regaining the natural right to due process, which has been destroyed by DC politicians in numerous ways, including asset forfeiture, eminent domain, qualified immunity, FISA, NSA surveillance, no-fly lists, and acquitted conduct sentencing. We would no longer be forced to fund perpetual wars in every area of the globe. We would no longer be forced to fund groups like ISIS and the Taliban. An independent New Hampshire would immediately see less corona fascism because so much of it was brought by federal grants, regulations, coercion, and other influence. Even our own state officials would immediately become better leaders once they no longer view and use their offices as stepping stones to get to DC. Our booming economy would improve drastically, making us the Hong Kong of the West, but even more prosperous. Without federal taxes or federal regulations, which cost the US economy over $2 trillion per year, many businesses would flood into New Hampshire and many local entrepreneurs would surely start their own businesses as well. Without federal income taxes, workers would flood into New Hampshire as well. If the keys to a prosperous economy are business expansion, ample supply of labor, wealthy customers, and low taxes and regulations, New Hampshire would quickly become the most prosperous nation on earth. But can the United States be saved? Can we preserve the union? Can we reform DC and shrink the federal government down to the tiny size it's supposed to be? As I explained in my first book, The Blueprint for Liberty, DC and the United States will only ever continue on the current trend towards absolute authoritarian socialism. In each category, the trend over the past 100 years or 240 years has consistently demonstrated that federal laws have become more authoritarian and moved away from liberty with each passing day. As I mentioned earlier, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If we continue to keep trying to elect better congressmen every two years, 
And if we continue to hope for a savior every four years, we will continue to practice insanity. If DC politicians wanted to reform and restrain the government, they would have done so over the past 240 years. They have not. They have consistently shown that they will expand the government and crush our every freedom, every chance they get, even when all branches of government are controlled by Republicans. Peaceful separation is critical and time is running out. We have less freedom and less power each day. The only leverage we still have is the power to simply walk away from this abusive relationship with DC. We have all surely heard what detractors say to victims contemplating leaving abusive partners. A few examples, you can't leave. They can be reformed. He promises to treat you better. If you leave, he'll hunt you down and he'll kill you. I've heard that. But we've been together so long, we're so comfortable together. Divorce would be so complicated. You tried leaving once, remember how that turned out? What would you tell a friend if she constantly complained about the many serious reasons that she hates her abusive partner? A partner who has consistently lied to her and taken away her privacy and freedom. A partner who she no longer trusts at all. A partner who physically abuses her. Would you tell her to keep trying to leave him, regardless of her fears? Or would you tell her to stay with him forever and hope that one day he reforms himself? Misguided citizens and union loyalists will say that the U.S. Constitution is a contract that binds New Hampshire to the U.S. government forever, meaning that leaving would violate the contract, something that libertarians and voluntarists consider a serious offense. First, it's not a contract. Second, it was signed by only a few men out of the millions of colonists over 240 years ago. Individual consent was not obtained from each man affected by the contract. Just like your parents, neighbors, and friends cannot sign a contract binding you to anything, the signers of the Constitution cannot bind you or me to anything. At best, they are our ancestors from hundreds of years ago. Not to mention all the immigration. Most of us are not direct descendants of the founders, obviously. Does anyone really think that it is legal, moral, or reasonable to sign away the rights of your descendants 200 years in the future and for perpetuity forever? Of course not. Except for limited custodial powers, parents cannot even bind their children to anything contractually, let alone their grandchildren. Whether this result was the aim of the U.S. Constitution or merely the result of its devolution, what has resulted from it is a strong central government, a ruling class, one which all are expected to obey and treat them like kings, blindly following their every command in perpetuity, including laws not yet even created today. Furthermore, even if it were a contract between the U.S. government and the states, would it remain intact? It is universally believed that if one party violates the terms of a contract, the other party has the right to void the contract and sever all ties. Well, has the U.S. government ever violated the U.S. Constitution? Yeah. They violate the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, not the Third yet, no quartering of troops. Fifth Amendment, Sixth, Seventh, Eighth, Ninth, Tenth, Eleventh, Twelfth, Fourteenth. And the CDC apparently owns all buildings in the United States. So yes, they violate the Constitution, meaning we can nullify and void the contract and walk away, if it were a contract. Those who believe that the U.S. Constitution created a legitimate federal government must first believe that the Declaration of Independence legitimately severed ties with the British government. Without even mentioning the hypocrisy of supporting that earlier secession, which was a response to tiny 3% taxes and tiny violations of liberty compared to what we have now, the very document that celebrated the colonies separating from the British government stated that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Also, we know Article 10 of the Constitution of New Hampshire allows us to reform or abolish the government if they violate our natural rights. It is very clear that the federal government was created in order to protect our natural rights. That is the sole purpose of its existence, to protect our natural negative rights, to secure liberty, the pursuit of happiness, life, the right to not be killed, the right to not have our property stolen. Not only has the federal government failed to protect life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness, they are the biggest violators of those rights. Imagine if you hire a bodyguard to do one thing, protect you. Imagine he fails to protect you consistently. Imagine he is the biggest attacker and thief robbing you and beating you. Would you continue paying him every year when the contract is up, or would you fire him? This is common sense. It has one purpose, and the Constitution, the federal government has failed in that purpose. Again, if insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results, remaining in this abusive union is the definition of masochistic insanity. Morally speaking, separating from DC is the right thing to do and it's acceptable to do. Practically speaking, independence would drastically improve nearly every aspect of our lives. Thank you. Well, good evening. Hopefully all of you are having a relatively uh, interesting night tonight. Secession from the Union. Wow, what a concept that is. What a concept that is. Am I wrong to say that that would probably be, perhaps be the first time it's ever happened in modern country, in the history of our, of our modern age? 
Let's go back to the 1700s. Let's go back to the years that James Madison, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, a man whose military record was so unbelievably disgusting that he was actually the laughingstock of the civilized world whenever it came to military strategy for plotting defense and attacks and strikes and things like that. And yet, nonetheless, he ends up winning the Revolutionary War against the most destructive force that's imperialized, the British Empire, that the world's ever known. That's quite the, uh, that's quite the history. Our Constitution is an absolute masterpiece. Our Declaration of Independence is a declaration of war. And our, as far as I'm concerned, our 10 amendments, our original Bill of Rights, specifies, specifies that we, the American people, have these things called, as Elliot Hazira has mentioned, as far as our Declaration of Independence is concerned, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is something that only comes from the United States of America. As President Ronald Reagan once said during the time of his presidency, if the people of the world cannot find liberty and freedom here in this country, then they can't find it at all, period. New Hampshire sets a prime example for what liberty and freedom ought to be. We have the right to enterprise. We have the right to the free market. We have the right to express our beliefs. We have the right to exercise our first amendment constitutional rights without any government inhibitions. But yet, sadly, the radical socialist leftists, such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ellen Omar, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, the remnants of Harry Reid, Hillary Clinton, and yes, of course, even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, have not only tarnished that reputation, that legacy that made America the greatest nation in the history of the world, they are attempting to go even further in terms of destroying it. So with that in mind, I don't believe that I need to tell you that our country is in somewhat of a very sincere crisis. But to secede, to withdraw from the union, is that not the same thing as turning a blind eye towards the problem that is at hand? One of the best ways to solve a problem of any kind is to recognize there is a problem in the first place. If we recognize there is a problem in the first place, then we do the right thing. We come together as a team. Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. It's very simple, but very difficult to put in practice as far as opposition is concerned, political opposition religious opposition. But as Thomas Jefferson once said, after having a very famous and intellectual debate with those whom he disagreed with, James Madison being the primary, he found no reason to dissolve either a friendship or a communication based on the sole purposes of political and or religious disputes. So how do we go about interpreting these things? Do we interpret these things in a radical sense or do we interpret these things in a philosophical sense? If we interpret these things in a radical sense, and as far as I'm concerned, we are no better than Al-Qaeda, ISIS, al-Nusra, and the Taliban. If we recognize these difficulties in a philosophical sense, then we are in fact mirroring what our founding fathers did for us. They were willing to lower the veil of ignorance and to separate their differences. They knew for a fact that future generations would have their fair share of differences just as they did. And they also knew for a fact that the future was going to change, but they could not have possibly have imagined how. For more details and examples, please see the controversies that surround Roe versus Wade. But there is one thing that I would encourage all of you to keep in mind if you truly are in favor of seceding from this union. If that is your belief, fine. But keep this in mind. Too much power, as in consolidated power, in within one given jurisdiction. Let's take Concord, for example, in my view anyways would be not only a suicidal mission, but would spell out certain disaster for this entire state as we know it. And then this state would actually be recognized as public enemy number one. And here's the reason why. Raise your hand if you are a fanatic of Governor Sununu. Absolutely no one in this room has raised their hand. And yet, nonetheless, seceding from the union is the answer? Well, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you secede from the union, is that not the same thing as saying, okay, let's take our current leaders and, and establish uh, within Concord and let's give them full and undivided power and free reign? I'm sorry, but uh, that doesn't seem right to me. That seems rather counterintuitive. In fact, it actually seems like a contraindication. So giving all of this power of over one state to a specific governing body a group of legislators, we, we, we already know for a fact that even though we have an, an elected legislative branch of government within this entire state, they still do not abide by the Constitution. My faith is not, absolutely not, with the government. It's not with those who govern this country. 
It's with the American people, the American spirit, the American dream. This country has actually produced more wealth and prosperity than almost any other nation combined. Now, obviously, we spend more money than the next 29 countries on defense spending, including military. But to go in the direction of being one country, economics and resources would cease to exist. 40%, now think of this, this is rather interesting, but it's a fact, it's not even believable. 40% of this entire country, all 50 states, from Maine to Alaska and as far south as even Hawaii, is farmland, agriculture. If we were to secede, if the New Hampshire were to secede from this union, from the United States of America, we would essentially be forfeiting almost 38%, 38% of agriculture, income for resources. Food, crops, things that we depend on for our very lives. Your grocery stores would fundamentally cease to exist. And now the value of currency. The Federal Reserve would have no jurisdiction or have no power here, no. as far as they're concerned. Well, it's true. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a fact. I want you to think about your bank accounts. The next time that you pull out a $100 bill from your wallet, look at what it says. It says, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. But that is only limited to the United States of America. So if New Hampshire, if this state is to secede, what is the value of your currency? If you think that inflation is bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to need, you're, you're going to hear a machine. He's got the right idea over there, as a matter of fact. Take a look at what this guy's doing. He's opening up a golden ticket. You're going to hear a machine for an assembly line like you've never seen before. And that is going to be printing off more money to be able to substantiate the needs for things like Social Security, Medicaid, which is normally delegated to the states anyways in their own constitutional individual and independent rights. By the way, states are able to run Medicaid and Social Security at a much more effective level than the federal government will ever be. But the truth of the matter is, is all of that value suddenly ceases to exist if you're to secede from the Union. And then having New Hampshireites, everyday citizens, at the mercy of Governor Sununu, a person, by the way, no one here in this entire room is even in favor of, and yet we want to simply allow Governor Sununu to have a takeover? I actually voted for Governor Sununu. I think he's a great guy. I've met him a couple times, and most people here would disagree with that, especially Skylar back there, and not that I blame him. But the point is, is that what we should be looking at is the bigger picture. We have foreign enemies, domestic enemies, terrorists, Okay, if you look at North Korea, North Korea has a stronger nuclear arsenal than they've, ever, than they've ever had before. Pakistan is constantly talking about acquiring nuclear arsenal or nuclear weapons, mass destruction weapons, and yet North Korea already has weapons of mass destruction. And if they wanted to hit, if Kim Jong-un wanted to hit Seattle, Washington, he absolutely could. So the fact of the matter that I would encourage you to keep in mind, number one, seceding from the Union, how vulnerable do you want the state to be? How vulnerable do you want your sons, your daughters, your children to be? How vulnerable do you want to be? If we were to stay in the Union, we don't have to be at the mercy of Washington, D.C. We don't have to be at the mercy of Nancy Pelosi. Joe Biden, obviously, is completely unfit to lead this country. Everyone knows this. Even Press Secretary Jen Psaki knows that, but she'll never admit it. We don't have to be at their mercy. If we secede from the Union, they will pick us off one by one. And very soon, a complete domination will emerge. One that could replace the 50 stars in the flag as overwhelmingly a dominant species, if you will, for the Northeast. This does not have to be so. There does not have, we do not have to su subject ourselves to that kind of vulnerability. Otherwise, we will certainly be bought out by Canada or by the state of Maine. Or we would even make the state of Vermont happy state, considering the fact that New Hampshire has been trying to acquire Killington property for years. They have been trying to acquire Killington ski resorts for a multitude of years. Seceding from the Union is going to play right into Vermont's hands, guaranteed. Senator Bernie Sanders is not going to let this state go on that at all. In fact, what he will turn the tides. He will turn the tables and say, okay, how do you so-called former New Hampshireites like it? I take opposition to secession from the Union because I believe that the American people are much stronger than that. We don't have to turn a blind eye or turn our backs on a problem that's at hand. We can leave if we want to. If that's what the people of this, of this state want to do, by all means, go right ahead and have your way. But I came to the state of New Hampshire in pursuit of a better life because Vermont was not the place for me. But I wouldn't have had a ghost of a chance of getting to the state if the state were not part of the country. 
The whole reason I took the nationally re re uh, the, the, the nationally accredited exam for becoming an emergency medical technician was to, to get a job anywhere in this country. New Hampshire does, in fact, set the lead example as far as free market is concerned, which is what I do for work almost every given day of my life. That's something that you don't find in Vermont. I would like to keep it that way and use that fact, that very energy that we have here in the state, to take over Washington, D.C. We do not have to let Washington win. If we succeed, they will win. But they don't have to win. We the American people. We deserve to win. We'll now be going into the rebuttal uh, phase. Uh, Alu, you are first up. So you have seven minutes. Yes, sir. Almost totally predictably, Zach agreed that we have some issues with tyranny, like 28 trillion reasons we have a lot of tyranny from DC, but he didn't really provide any solutions except for, you know, uh, let's be like our founders and let's stay together and work it out and, and yeah, elect better people. Let's, you know, two years in 2022, we'll get a House and Senate back and, and uh, 2024, let's go Brandon, we'll get the White House back and, uh, and then we'll solve the issues. But again, it's insanity. We've been doing the same thing every day for 240 years. And it's only ever gotten worse. It's not stayed the same, not gotten better. Every single thing, as I have out there, I have graphs in my book, The Blueprint for Liberty. If you look at overall taxes, look at overall gun laws, privacy, due process, economic freedom, everything goes down. There's a graph and it shows overall taxes goes up, gun, gun freedom goes down, due process goes down, economic freedom is going down, the graph, every year for 240 years, right? We all know this. Taxes started out as you know, zero, then in 1913, uh, under Teddy Roosevelt and, and Wilson and all them, it, we got an income tax of 1% 5 now it's up to effective tax burden for me, 20-25%, for some of us 30-40-50% taxes, and I just started down ill and wants to tax even uncapital, unrealized capital gains, whatever that means. Even if you have a stock, it goes up, oh taxes. So I want to address a few things, I won't have time to get to them all, there are a lot of things. He said the Constitution is a masterpiece, I kind of touched on it in the opening statement. The Constitution is not, you have no consent, not everyone consented to it, you can't bind people, posterity forever. It's like me signing my rights, saying my great-great-grandchildren, descendants forever, are slaves to Zach's grandchildren. But contractually, no one in the world would take that contract seriously. So the Constitution, one of the worst things with it is it has no punishments. It's a law that restricts the government, but it has no punishments. The laws that restrict us have punishments. So it's, it's really bad, really, really bad. I, I might actually write a book about it one day, how bad the Constitution actually is. Uh, you mentioned Reagan. Again, I don't worship Reagan, so Reagan was wrong. You mentioned foreign enemies and terrorists, which, which I, I touched upon, and I said that's one of the biggest uh, concerns people have. What about the foreign terrorists? You know, we have ISIS, Taliban. You may not know, I was in the Middle East for four years, so I, I know it is a very serious threat. Uh, Boko Haram, Taliban, they are savage animals who will kill all of us at the drop of a hat, 100%. That being said, not only does the federal government not protect us from them, they arm them with $24 billion of weapons to the Taliban. They created ISIS by literally creating the people, helping, training, giving weapons. So as far as overall terrorism? Do they make us more safe or less safe? I don't know. They do have a you know, military, but they also arm them and help them and create some of the terrorists, also not to mention interventionism. So we'll call it a wash, even though they probably are an overall net negative for keeping us safe from foreign enemies. I know China's a threat. In fact, Xi Jinping owns most of the U.S. Senate and House and uh, Joe Biden, obviously. So he said, the, we have a First Amendment right. I didn't really understand that, but we don't have a First Amendment right. And the reason is not because of New Hampshire, it's because of D.C. politicians. The DC politicians have destroyed our First Amendment right. We thought we had free speech, but we don't. Then we hear from the authoritarians that, well, we don't have totally unrestricted free speech. The Supreme Court, AKA gods, have ruled that they can restrict free speech. You can't scream fire in a crowded theater and all that junk. We don't have free speech. There are many things that would be considered a crime if you said it. In fact, one of my favorite cases, one of the worst Supreme Court cases was Kaplinsky versus New Hampshire. It was a New Hampshire case that went to the Supreme Court of the United States, where they ruled, and it has never been overturned as far as I know, maybe Carla knows, I don't know. I don't think it's been overturned. They said, if you say anything not nice, not a threat, if you say anything fighting words or derogatory or mean to any government official, it's a crime. And Kaplinsky said, um, you are a fascist and a tyrant to a cop. No threat, and he was convicted. And Supreme Court ruled in favor of that conviction, upheld it in Chaplinsky versus New Hampshire a long time ago. So, funny New Hampshire case. Supreme Court has ruled on many other occasions. We don't have First Amendment rights. We don't have free speech, free expression, free religion. With corona fascism, churches all around the United States were shut down. So, again, if we seceded, we would get our, our natural First Amendment protected rights to free speech and religion and press. We would, we would get all those back. We'd get the Second Amendment right back, like I touched upon. Right now, in New Hampshire, thank God, we have essentially no gun control. Little to no gun control, pretty much nothing. The only things I can't do, like have a suppressor and save my hearing, is federal. Once we secede, that goes away. Due process, like I touched upon, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment rights, almost every violation is federal in nature. You seem to mention something that, I, again, I used to think, but it's actually counterintuitive. You said, if we seceded, we would be stuck with, with Dictator Sununu. You said governor, but it's okay, he's a dictator is the correct term. Dictator Sununu would rule over us with an iron fist, we'd have less freedom than we have now. No, it's kind of backwards. Right now, we have a dictator in Sununu and you know, state and local law enforcement officers, and we have federal laws and law enforcement and dictator Joe Biden. One, one of the reasons Sununu is so bad and became a corona fascist and dictator is because he's not looking at us. He's like looking at another, another woman. He's 
looking at DC thinking, what will DC want me to do when I get there when I'm a senator next year? Because we all know he wants to be a senator next year. So he's already part of the DC swamp thinking, will I get invited to the parties? Will I get donations from the big uh, Goldman Sachs and big lobbyists? Will uh, Brandon in the White House like me a lot? Will I be popular in DC? So he's looking at them when he makes policy decisions. Once we sever ties with DC, even our state politicians, you might think there's no difference, but they will become better because they'll have no one else to look to other than us. If your wife's the only woman on the planet, you're gonna look at her, you have no other option, right? That is the only option if they have to serve us. So immediately, if we sever ties, we'd see Sununu, the executive council, the Senate and House immediately, not look at us like stepping stone idiots they could step on and go on the way to DC, which again, we all know almost every politician wants to do that. They would become better and they would represent us better as well. He said New Hampshire would starve. Again, we have plenty of agriculture. We have the best economy per capita, lowest unemployment, highest median wages. Once we got rid of federal taxes, right now, the only obstruction to our New Hampshire economy is federal taxes and federal regulations. Once those disappear because they're federal, we would have booming. I'm, I'm talking like Hong Kong multiplied by Singapore and Luxembourg and uh, you know times a trillion. We would have what New Hampshire has now, but no taxes and regulations. All the biggest businesses, including maybe even big ones like Amazon, would come here, and that would bring more and more business. And eventually, when Bezos and Zuckerberg and uh, Gates fight the federal government because they want to have this place where there's no taxes and regulations because it saves them billions a year, then it, then it could get really interesting. He said, if we succeed, they win. Again, I don't really understand that. Um, right now, they, they are abusing us and controlling us. And if we succeed, we win because they are the abusive partner. They want us to stay and they want to control us. And finally, you said immigration it would be issue it would be an issue coming from Vermont to New Hampshire. If we seceded, we would still have most likely it would be run by libertarians in the state, so we would have pretty open immigration, especially if you are you know want to come and work if you have a job and everything. So I think immigration would be even easier than, than it is now if we you know seceded in Europe, countries all over the world, countries that neighbor each other, kind of free open immigration. So that would not be an issue either. Thank you. Final rebuttal is Zachary. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, let me just start by saying this, Elliot. I'm a little bit troubled uh, by what you are suggesting. You want New Hampshire to essentially become the Hong Kong for the Northeast. If that's true, if, that, if that's the general direction the state wants to go in, then I need to be moving out of the state as fast as possible, without a debate. <laughs> because are you aware, sir, that Hong Kong, located in Russia, is supporting China. Uh, excuse me? China. China? 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 I'm sorry. Uh, I, I could not, in good standing, live in a uh, in, in a particular uh, co communist-oriented uh, country. I, abs absolutely not. Communism is a complete antithesis towards liberty and freedom. I, I mean, this this is ridiculous. What was the Revolutionary War fought for? To gain freedom and independence, to champion that for generations to come. And what you're suggesting is you want us to be more like the communists. This doesn't make any sense. For a libertarian, I'll tell you, he has much more faith in the Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin philosophy than I do, if that's, if that's, if that's true. So let's analyze that, but all the way through. Number one, our military for this country is, should be the greatest military that the world has ever known. So powerful that there's not a single, not a single nation that would dare to test it. But let's look at one state in particular that actually has a military at the ready as far as being prepared is concerned. And of course, I'm talking about the great state of Texas. They are considerably larger than the state of New Hampshire. In fact, they are um, larger than California, as a matter of fact. They're the second. Is, is that right? Am I correct? In that regard, they are the second largest state in this, in, in this country, with Alaska being the first. So if they wanted to become their own country, again, they don't have the lone star on their flag for nothing. They have the lone star on their flag because of the fact that they have more than enough economic resources and industries to be able to substantiate themselves. Not to mention the great state of Oklahoma has more than enough shale to essentially produce enough oil to last this entire country for the next 125 years. This, of course, is with the assumption that we were to go off of dependency from either Saudi Arabia or what's really coming up is either Russia or the Ukraine. So bottom line is, is that, that if, if we are to secede from this union, there goes the lifeblood of this economy. We will have to be, we will have no choice but to purchase our economic fuel, excuse me, our resources from either different countries such as Saudi Arabia, of course they could charge us whatever, the, whatever they want, of course they do that anyways, 
But the fact of the matter is, is that we are now eliminating a potential for the heart of this country, in the great state of Oklahoma, we would not be able to be part of that. We would, this state would be missing out on those wonderful economic resources. And by the way, this state is significantly small compared to other states such as uh, the state of California, the state of Alaska, the state of Texas. Missouri is even a larger state than this one, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Now, obviously, Governor Bill Clinton before he became the president, left the state of Arkansas in complete shambles. And if I understand it correctly, you believe that that's where Governor Sununu is actually taking us. I respectfully disagree because of the fact that there are a thing called checks and balances. Yes, indeed, Washington, D.C. has a has fair share of major flaws. The ACA was a complete disaster, and Barack Obama, should, in my view, anyway, should probably not have been president. But in order to run for the president of this country, you have to, first of all, be born in the United States or on a location, in a location, that is recognized as American territory. In fact, the back of our dollar says e pluribus unum, which stands for out of many, one. If the next great leader for this country were truly to be born in the great state of New Hampshire, but born at a time after the state secedes from the Union, there goes a wonderful opportunity, completely wasted, would be recognized as an outcast. For example, in the 1990s, the greatest independent presidential candidate to ever live, Henry Ross Perot, ran for this country because he felt as though that what he was doing was the right thing. And it absolutely was a statement. The fact of the matter is, is that that man's presidential candidacy was completely wasted. He was smarter than former President Bush and former President Clinton combined. He had more common sense in one finger than Al Gore has in his entire body. Of course, Al Gore doesn't have much common sense anyways. But to secede, as I've said before, and I'll gladly say again, is to let the enemy win. And you know who the enemy is. That's obviously in Washington. Again, my faith is not in Washington, but my faith is in the American people, because the American people are smarter, so much smarter than the government could ever possibly hope to be, which is why seceding from this union, in my humblest opinion, will not stand a ghost of a chance, probably less, maybe, maybe, if it's lucky, two to three years at the most before comes crawling back to the federal government, begging to be. So we're now up to the uh, question and answer period. Uh, if you have a question, uh, you can come up and speak to the microphone. Uh, so that they can hear you and everyone can hear you. Uh, I will take the moderator's privilege and ask the first set of questions. So for, uh, for the affirmative, what is the proper and improper trigger for secession? And, uh, and please also speak to improper. The question is what's the proper or improper trigger for secession? You mean trigger as far as what would be our line in, this, in the sand that would make us want to secede or do you mean yes. uh, the methodology? Okay. In general, I would say, you know, in very broad terms, when they violate natural rights, when they, they start violating our natural rights that should be protected by the Constitution, which they've been violating increasingly every day for 240 years, First Amendment rights to free speech, assembly, religion, and, uh, you know, gathering and petitioning the government, Second Amendment rights to the unrestricted right to self-defense and to bear arms, which also gets into property ownership, Fourth Amendment rights to, you know, Fifth Amendment due process, privacy, they've been violating them increasingly every, every day for 240 years, and we see no, no, uh, route for recourse or redress of grievances. We've done everything we could to complain, so we've exhausted all of our methods of complaining or asking for them to redress grievances. We've tried to elect better people, like I said, every two years. We elect better people on a state level, House, Senate, Presidency. We've written letters, we've done the petitioning. I know that uh, federal agencies have a period where you can do uh, commentary and they are supposed to take it into account. You know, we all comment, please don't ban bomb stocks, but they do it anyway. We all can comment, it doesn't matter. Everything we've done, short of fiscal force, which we all want this to be 100% peaceful. We've, done, we've tried everything we could peaceful. The last thing we could do before fiscal force is peaceful separation. Does that answer the question? So there isn't an explicit trigger. It's, it's an accumulation, is what you're saying. I, I think it's an acute, like they said in the declaration, a long train of abuses. Each of them, I, I think, in my opinion, would be cause enough to leave the union. Just the violations of our property rights and taxation would be enough. Just the violation of due process would be enough. Just the violation of our gun rights. The takeover of all of healthcare for everyone. The takeover of the schools, the Department of Education federally. Just the Federal Reserve. Each of these, I think, would be more than enough to secede. But yes, combined, the you know, millions of issues we have, I think, I think easily in the fact that we can't solve them and they've shown no way. Again, if things were trending in the right direction, maybe I wouldn't be here. If things were getting better, imagine if different world, right? Different universe where taxes were getting lower every year. Imagine gun, gun rights were being expanded every year. We had more school choice. Federal agencies were being eliminated. Again, different universe. Yeah, exactly. New Hampshire, maybe we're actually decreasing the scope of government. Federally, every single day, and again, I've, I've been on top of this for years as far as writing articles and podcasts, every day DC becomes more tyrannical. So look at the trend. As a medic, I have a big bias for trend. I think trend is the most important thing. Every day it gets worse. If my patient gets worse every minute, I'm going to do something different. Definition of insanity again. So it's getting worse every day, and there's nothing else we could do besides relieve them. 
And a question for the negative, please. Is there any federal violation of human rights or constitutional constraint that would justify secession? That would justify secession. That would justify secession. Not necessarily secession, but revolution for sure. For sure. Thomas Jefferson once famously and wisely quoted that the tree of liberty will in fact have to be washed from generation to generation with the bloodshed of patriots and tyrants. Now let's think about those words that Thomas Jefferson was using. If we go back to earlier this year, the month of January, there was a massive insurrection that allegedly took place at Capitol Hill. In my humblest opinion, that wasn't even close to the level of an insurrection. If QAnon and his forces should want to take over Capitol Hill, they could have done so with ease. They could have done so with ease. To answer your question, not necessarily a secession, but a revolution for sure. Let's look at the uh, points that Elliot here has actually emphasized quite spectacularly too. Our gun rights are in danger, no question about it. Our Second Amendment rights have fallen under attack. We have this thing called freedom from speech and not freedom of speech, which is making me incredibly angry because of the fact that we are no longer allowed to voice our views and our opinions. We can't express what we want to say without being ridiculed or smashed or defeated by the left or being painted as a, some kind of a uh, misogynistic or white supremacist, uh, complete capitalistic tyrant in a very uh, derogatory sense. So therefore, that's essentially what a Washington D.C. would like to have happen is to suppress the American people as much as possible. That's why we're seeing FICA, our federal income tax, go much higher as far as people becoming more dependent upon our federal government instead of dependent on the free market, even though it's the free market that actually reinforces the federal government because that's essentially where taxations come from. And if you are not in favor of taxation rates with the IRS, let me tell you I sympathize with you. I'm not either. A 10% flat tax innocently across the board would be absolutely fantastic. That would abolish the IRS and make our bills more paid for as far as military expense. Uh, defense spending. $340 billion are taken in by the United States government, federal government, every single month. Now, $40 billion out of that $300 some odd billion dollars is actually going to pay for something called debt services. So let's take the $3.5 trillion in this package that the Biden administration is trying to put forward. Every single time that the Biden administration says that this won't cost us a penny, as far as I'm concerned, he's lying right through his teeth. And the reality is, is that they're not paying for just debt, they're paying for debt services. There's more than enough money that's there to be able to pay for what needs to be paid for as far as both sides of the aisle are, are, are concerned. But as far as what the progressives, the far-leaning left progressives uh, would like, there's not nearly enough cash to go around. So, not necessarily, but a revolution, absolutely. So if this country, if this state, excuse me, is more convinced than ever that our government is unfit to leave, then a revolution is required. In other words, the state of New Hampshire becomes the new Washington, D.C. Let's defeat the establishment that way and not secede at the same time. Thank you. Uh, so go ahead, uh, Randy, uh, come on up here and uh, ask your question, please. And uh, is, is it for the affirmative or negative? It's for the affirmative. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my comments and question is directed towards Mr. Axelman. And if you recall, and I'm sure you do, that secession did not work out particularly well for the Confederacy. Um, the Confederate economy was not sustainable. And why was that? Well, early on, the Confederacy became bankrupt. Why? Because they were deeply, deeply in debt to international financiers and bankers. Had the Confederacy won the Civil War, they would have remained a pastoral, backwards country. Now, should New Hampshire secede from the Union, how do you propose that New Hampshire sustain its economy other than via wishful thinking that uh, industry would move into our state? Thank you. Excellent question. Do I have to repeat the whole thing? I may um, not get it word for word. So you may want to paraphrase this for Yeah, you asked a uh, great question. He said secession did not work out very well in the 1860s when the South seceded from the United States. He also said that the economy overall was in trouble and, and devolved. Uh, you know, if they would have successfully seceded, the economy of the South was heavily reliant on uh, farming and slave labor, maybe, and they wouldn't have worked out very well. How would New Hampshire uh, guarantee that we have a good economy going forward? Is that sufficient? So, yeah, so a few parts to that question. Firstly, like I said, it didn't work out well. I don't think that that's a great criticism of secession because if something doesn't work out well, you know, if at first you fail, try, try again, please, secede or succeed. So, if, like I said in the, in the opening statement, you have a friend who's a woman who's being beaten every day savagely by her husband. She tries to run away. Her husband catches her, beats her extra hard. Will you tell her to never try to run away ever again? Obviously, it's ridiculous. You have to try again. It is what it is. Um, there's a famous quote. If you get knocked down seven times, get back up eight times, right? So that I don't think is great criticism. As far as the economy, 
overall, I think the New Hampshire economy would do phenomenal. I wasn't around in the southern states in 1860, but I think it would be a lot different. The South was poorer. They were heavily reliant on agriculture. They were you know, warmer. They were a farming states, and they relied a lot on slave labor. And New Hampshire's economy, as we all know here, is doing phenomenal. I, I'm actually not super familiar with exactly what our economy produces and exports. I looked it up the other day. We have a lot of technology which, that I knew, because all of us, especially libertarians, are involved in some kind of technology. So we export a lot of technology we actually manufacture, jets, uh, airplanes, airplane technology, airplane uh, parts and technology that goes into the parts. We have hospitality and terrorism and a fair amount of medical uh, industry as well here. So we have an economy here. We have one of the most thriving overall economies, prosperity and low taxes and regulations. And again, so we would do phenomenal right now, all things being equal, we are number one or two or three states as far as overall economy. If you look at uh, net income, net worth, value, uh, low taxes and regulations and overall prosperity, maybe number one in the United States. Now, all things being equal, we do fine. If we left the United States, we would have one big plus and one big negative. If we left, we'd have no more federal taxes and regulations. Who here wants to save $20,000, $30,000 a year in taxes? Obviously, we all do. What would you do with twenty dollars to $40,000 a year in extra money? You would reinvest, expand your business, start businesses, invest more in New Hampshire businesses. And again, just that alone, $20,000, $40,000 per person, 1 million people in New Hampshire, we would boom bigger than any nation's ever boomed in the history of existence. Again, Hong Kong was free from uh, Britain when they got independence. Skyscrapers, booming economy, one of the best in the world within a matter of, of a few years, right? We would have that, but even much, much more so because we'd have more economic freedom. Now, um, and same with regulations. So no more taxes, regulations. Right now, the two biggest things uh, holding businesses back is regulations, mostly federal regulations. They regulate everything, including your toilets and your light bulbs. Without those, we have less compliance costs. You don't have to hire uh, dozens of lawyers and HR people and compliance officers for your company, so you could save tons of money that way, and no more taxes. Now, on the downside, like you said, if, if they embargo us and there's a free trade issue, yes, if we can't trade with any other state or any other nation in the world, like Canada or using our port on the seacoast, then yes, that could hurt a little bit. Like I said, divorce does hurt. No one's going to come here and say it'll be all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and divorce is not going to hurt. It always hurts, but if it's for the best, because like I said, you're being abused every day increasingly and you have no recourse, it's for the best. Overall, if they do embargo us, and that's again what people seem to be indicating, and I think you imply that, an embargo is an act of war, so it's not like some little uh, you know, trivial thing. It's a, that's a big deal. Would they declare war on us if we left? Maybe. They might, declare, they might do an embargo and declare war, and then it's all at war, and then it gets very messy. They also might not. If they do embargo us, we would have to negotiate, again, with Maine would probably trade with us, Vermont might, Massachusetts might, Canada may or may not, and we do have a seacoast. Again, if they embargo and use their navy to block our seacoast, again, that is a tremendous act of war. As soon as we became independent, we would start beefing up our New Hampshire National Guard, our military, and then if they want to go to war. Now, if they do go full out war, I used to think that they would defeat us because the US military is you know, the strongest, most amazing military ever. Actually, in, in thinking about this and doing the thought experiment, I realized, how would they win a war against us? Drop a tremendous nuke and blow up New Hampshire and the whole you know, East Coast and half of Canada? No, they wouldn't do that. They would kill ev everyone in DC as well. Would they bomb a few individual houses, like leaders in the independence movement, me and a few other leaders? You know, Sorry for implicating you if your house gets bombed. But I don't think they could do that either. Again, PR disaster, terrible, it wouldn't work out well. Will they send their soldiers, US military, door to door to kill 1.3 million people? No, because frankly, that wouldn't happen because they would not win that battle. They can't go door to door and kill us all. So overall, embargo economic war, which would, might become a hot war, actually would not work out well. They would have to nuke half, you know, half the world and kill half the world if they wanted to defeat New Hampshire. So they can't really go door to door. They can't roll tanks down the streets. They can't bomb us. They don't actually have a great way of winning the war. Embargo, like I said to someone earlier, is, it is the one thing, economic trade. We would, again, if we left, it would, it would ideally be peaceful. We all want peaceful separation, and then we could still have amicable relations. If anybody is familiar with Dr. Cox and Jordan, after they got divorced, they have a phenomenal relationship. You can get divorced, and then you can have a better relationship. We can leave them, and then we can have peaceful, free economic trade, and you mentioned immigration. Again, we can have free, open immigration, free, open trade, and be prosperous. If they don't want it, we can survive on our own. We, we would survive. We may not be the best economy in the world if we have zero trade outside of New Hampshire, but I don't, I don't think that would last. So hopefully that answers the question. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, I have one for both. Uh, please ask this question. Okay. Is there anyone else who has a question? Thank you very much. That is very clear exposition. Um, you used the term, the American people, and you attributed properties to them. And frankly, given the level of social cohesion across the United States, I don't see how we could possibly predict what the American people would do. Do you, when you use that term, are you referring to the people who protest for BLM, people who attend you know, American Renaissance conferences, MS-13, the LNC? I mean, this seems to be broad enough that it is foolish, in my opinion, I'm not judging you at all, to attribute any hope on these 330 million people achieving anything. 
Oh, of course. Oh, okay. Well, if, if, that's, if that's the case, the preamble of the United States Constitution makes it abundantly clear what we, the American people, ought to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis as far as promoting our general welfare. That's number one. Ordain, excuse me, securing the blessings of liberty, ordaining it to ourselves. It's a responsibility. Again, as President Reagan once said, and I know my friend here is a huge fanatic of <laughs> President Reagan, liberty and freedom is always one generation away. It's, it's true. It's true. If we were to cave to the enemies, that those who radically oppose our liberties and those who oppose our freedoms, those who oppose our way of life, we will in fact become more like them. Now, depending on your position, depending on where you stand, let's take a religious sense, in some cultures it is uh, religiously intolerable for women to show their faces. They must wear these hijabs that cover the vast majority of their heads and their faces. Um, as far as I can tell, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic did exactly that. It, it was for scientific reasons, but if you look at it, if you look at it from a more objective perspective, is that not necessarily what's happening right now in places such as Afghanistan? Now, the one thing that I can tell you is that um, there, there are American people who are citizens, and there are American people who are criminals. Criminals do not follow the law, American citizens do. If and only if we as the American people are in 100% unanimous synchronization, which is next to the level of impossible, but in complete synchronization that in a free country, every single human being must be given the right to thrive, to prosper, and to, su and to succeed anywhere in this country, then that is opening Pandora's box to allow for great things to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that you and I have to agree with what the Black Lives Matter movement is all about, or even what the LGBTQ, what, what, what's next letter that they AI just plus, added? Yeah. Um, AI plus, okay. They're, they're taking up the whole alphabet, let's put it that way. But nonetheless, that is their freedom to be able to express their beliefs. David Duke and the KKK is another case in point. I do not necessarily support the ideas of what white supremacy stands for, but nonetheless, what I will support is their First Amendment constitutional right to the freedom of speech. They have just as even someone like Malcolm X, the founder of the Black Panther movement, has just as much of a right to express whatever he believes that is true to him anyways, as much as the David Dukes of the world. Now, love it or hate it, that's the way that liberty and freedom operates. That's what our First Amendment was designed to do with absolute minuscule if any at all, zero, let's put it that way, zero interference from a federal government. So the American people are much more resilient than Washington, D.C. will get the credit for. It's true. The black market is a, I, 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 my two, you know, two favorite words that are uh, generally frowned uh, upon. The black market, that is opening Pandora's box, in my view anyways, for illicit drug cartels. And that will continue. It, it, will, it, it will continue, which is also a contribution. Our economy would absolutely not thrive. Uh, New Hampshire's economy would absolutely cease to exist. It, 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 as this gentleman in the back here has stated, the Confederacy was a collection of a multitude of states, and they were using slavery to be able to reinforce all of their economic uh, procedural gains. They were paying absolutely no minimum wage. In fact, there wasn't, there wasn't a salary for any single slave uh, worker. So where in the world are we supposed to get this fi the financial resources from to be able to, to support these economic uh, in industries that Elliot over here is proposing for? Because the point is that the money source has to come from somewhere. You argue that we are going to save about $23,000, $40,000 every single year. Where in the world is that money going to be coming from? It won't be American currency. New Hampshire will have to have its own formation of, 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 of currency in terms of going values. It will need its own, it will need its own cryptocurrency. And cryptocurrency, as far as Bitcoin and, and Ethereum are concerned, is, is, is a fantastic place to start. But there is absolutely no guarantee that the 60 some odd thousand dollars worth of one share of Bitcoin will be there tomorrow because it is a living, breathing market. The stock market goes up and down all the time. Now, obviously, it's a smart thing to buy low and a good thing when you sell high, but if you want to be a shareholder for the purposes of dividends and payout ratios, then that's a different story. So the American people could actually venture into that location. As far as I'm concerned, that would make them more dependent upon the free market than, than, than they would be dependent on the federal government. At that point, every single shareholder would have no choice, mark my words, they would have no choice but to enter into a coalition to keep the values of their shares staunchly supported, which is why seceding from the union would actually reduce that value dramatically. So the chances of cashing out on your shares um, from, from, from Wall Street, of course, if New Hampshire is a state from the union, and I know Elliot here invests in Robinhood and probably even has Bitcoin and Ethereum himself, well, are you aware that most of that actually comes out of Wall Street?
And if this country is no longer part of the union, then you can kiss your trade franchises goodbye. And there, <laughs> so there goes another revenue stream. But to answer your question, the American people are much more resilient than what Washington gives them credit for. Washington would rather fearmonger, but the American people would rather band together. We've done it before, we can absolutely do it again. And if you're a history fanatic or a history buff, then you'll understand too that history has a nasty little habit of repeating itself. And to that gentleman, what is your name, sir? Randy. Randy. To Randy's point, as far as the Confederacy is concerned, if it happened to the Confederacy for a multitude of states, okay, a multitude of states, and they failed absolutely miserably, what ghost of a chance does one state have all by itself when you have Massachusetts and Elizabeth Warren just right across the southern border? <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I discovered when I moved to New Hampshire two years ago is this place is actually very, very diverse in opinion. A lot of white people, a lot of diverse opinions. Um, and I'm wondering, what is going to be the, the nature of the social cohesion for the nation that you are proposing to create? Is this going to be civic nationalism? And if it is, how are we going to deal with, again, the wide variety of views on a number of pressing topics? And if it's not civic nationalism, what would it be? Excellent question. He essentially asked, once New Hampshire secedes from the Union, it's not like everyone in New Hampshire 100% are exactly libertarian like us. In fact, we can't even agree what libertarian means. So yeah, around half the people in New Hampshire, 40 to 50% are on, really on the other side. They lean authoritarian more than pro-freedom. Um, as far as registration, it's around 25% Republican and Democrat, 50% independent. So yes, we are very diverse. Almost half the people here are really not libertarian. They would identify as maybe even a socialist, authoritarian, or independent. How would that work out? Or seceding to be more pro-freedom, but our own state is not perfect. And that's a phenomenal question. A few things I would say is our state is already trending in the, the direction of liberty, like I said. The other 49 states and D.C. itself federally are trending towards authoritarianism. New Hampshire, if you look at every year in the last five, ten years, we are getting rid of taxes, getting rid of laws, getting rid of restrictions, minimizing government, expanding liberties consistently. What that's doing with the help of a little website called progressivestateproject.com, it's, it's convincing progressives to leave. So as we get more and more pro-freedom, obviously with the FSP, pro-freedom people are moving in. So the net flow is for people who love freedom to move in here from communist republics like New York and California. And people who do want more progressive policies like you know more social welfare and, and maybe gun control and government control of education and the economy and healthcare, they are voluntarily leaving. Plenty of them are moving to Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois. So now, now overall, will that make it Will that account for enough migration both ways for New Hampshire to be 100% pro-liberty or 99% libertarians in a few years? I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm optimistic I would say yes, but realistically probably not. But even within a few years, once we are 80, 90% pro-liberty people, it would be you know like nothing we've ever seen before. Right now, the states are all, like you said, around 50-50. People may not know this unless they look at all the uh, vote totals. The governors in the most uh, radical one-sided states, like the most uh, conservative state, Wyoming, or the, or the most uh, Democrat state, California, governors don't win with 99% of the vote or 100. They win with like 51, 52% of the vote. The governor, you know, trounce is called like 55% of the vote to 45. So things are very close. Every state, California is like 45% Republican. So every state's 50-50 kind of, you know, they lean one way or the other, but almost no state is totally one way or the other. Um, now the other. The other thing I would say about that is, once we do leave the union, as you saw from Zach, who seems to still be, even though he said he supports secession sometimes, is still a little afraid. People who are afraid of secession, once we leave, they will scurry out back to Massachusetts to be part of America again, right? So once we do leave, a lot of people who are worried about social security or uh, foreign wars and terrorists or other stuff, or they want federal benefits and they love the federal government because they love these great, amazing people like uh, Obama, Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, McConnell, you know, people who love them, they can move back to the United States. So I, I think once we do secede, a lot of people who are anti-secession or anti-freedom will see themselves out. And, and again, come to think of it, maybe. 99% of people who are authoritarian and don't love liberty like we do will move back to the Union, which is totally fine with us. And then eventually, over the next few years, we might become a, a nearly total pro-liberty state, and then we can really get things done. Thank you. So we have an opening for a, a last question for the negative. Does anyone have a question? Oh, brother. So, Zach, you're assuming a scorched earth kind of situation where no one's going to talk to us, no one's going to trade with us. Why won't the market basket trucks keep driving across the border? Why won't the Amazon trucks? Why won't the people working in Boston keep going to work? Why won't the people telecommuting keep going to work? You mentioned currency, too. I couldn't find current numbers, but at the turn of the century, the Treasury estimated like half of US currency ever produced was outside the US being used in other countries' economies. Why, why is this all like dire? Why can't the economy continue mostly the way it is now? The economy could, of course, of course. 
So, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, okay, in, in, in interpreting your question. So to paraphrase uh, the question that has been asked is, why can't our economy continue the way that it functions right now if it were to secede from the union? Is that a fair? It, it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously, a, there's some subtle differences, but for the most part, trade in, in, a, in a generalized sense, with, 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 with respect to free trade. Sure. What goes into these vehicles that actually powers market baskets? Little enterprise number one. Gasoline, diesel, uh, fossil fuels. Well, the point is, is that that energy resource has to come from somewhere. It doesn't just come out of thin air. What you need is something a little more tangible. So why not reinvent, excuse me, why would we want to reinvent the wheel when we can just stick to what works with fossil fuels as far as extracting from Saudi Arabia is concerned? Now obviously the EPA does not have any any desire whatsoever to start drilling in Alaska, even though there's more than enough oil to sustain the lifeblood of this economy, um, as far as Alaska is concerned, as well as Oklahoma. But if we were to take New Hampshire out of the equation, then we're only catering to 49 states and not 50. So the fact of the matter is, is that now, with, if you take New Hampshire out of the equation, they, they're missing out on a piece of pie. And these other 49 states um, that, that, that would be ranging all the way from Maine to Alaska itself would be saying, now we can actually sell it back to the former United States, of, excuse me, former member of the United States, what would be the state of New Hampshire, but they could charge whatever price that they wanted. So it would make more sense in that case for these enterprises to say that they will be considering their, that they'll be purchasing their oil as a formation of retail, if you will, from the original union, which of course is the United States. And of course, they're actually taking in fossil fuels from foreign countries anyways. So now they would actually be doubling their money. Meanwhile, New Hampshireites would be getting essentially screwed, if you will. They would be losing out on it. Uh, they, they would actually be hemorrhaging money more than they'd be taking in because there is still a dependency upon the rest of the country, such as agriculture, and as well as natural gas, fossil fuels, coals, and even in the cases of rare circumstances, nuclear power. In my home state of Vermont, for example, Vermont Yankee was a nuclear power plant, but it actually sold more nuclear power to a different state, such as Connecticut. So is that generally, is that, is, if that's generally the direction that New Hampshireites would rather that they go in, then that's fine, but count me out of it because I don't want to be paying double what I'm paying right now for those resources to be utilized. Meanwhile, if we can stay in the States here and we can show as a testament, we can provide to the rest of this union a testament that New Hampshire is doing the best things imaginable for keeping our economy sustained. I still haven't heard any great solutions to the tyranny besides for electing better people and uh, coming together and our founders and want us to come together. Our founders, like you said about the Tree of Liberty, which is one of my favorite quotes, I'm glad you said it and I didn't have to, is, you know, that wasn't saying coming together, it was actually saying kill tyrants. That's what the quote means. It wasn't saying come together and talk about it. If the founders were around today, they wouldn't be coming together to talk about it. If they were alive for 300 years, after 240 years of this tyranny, they, you know, they would escalate the use of force, if you know what I mean. So I, I would disagree there as far as the, if the founders were around today, they would say, let's talk and work it out and come together. You said the American people band together, we're all one people, one America, and all that stuff. Again, we have around half or maybe the majority of people in the United States willing to put the unmasked and unvaccinated, which is many of you here, into quarantine and isolation camps, which is in the female grant, you've all seen the exact uh, phrase they use. They're willing to uh, arrest us, put us in prison. I've seen doctors go, you know, the CNN doctor and, and all those in the media saying hospitals should not treat anyone who's unvaccinated. So these people are at war with us. It's a war. They think they've called this evil. We have the attorney general essentially, essentially agreeing with the National School Board Association that if you want to, if you dare to tell a school board what to teach your kids and have involvement, you're a domestic terrorist. These people are at war with us. I can write an entire book about how they believe we're evil. We're, you know, literally Hitler, Nazi, bigot, and we've all heard all the other derogatory terms. We're not one American people. Someone mentioned, uh, you know, uh, hijab or, or a burqa. Yes, there are many different types of people. If you go to areas in uh, Detroit, Dearborn, Michigan, and Minnesota, you will see extremely intense Muslim communities. Go to Lakewood, New Jersey, you'll see extremely intense Jewish communities. These communities are isolated, and they want to be isolated, and that's fine. They want to live among their own. We have so many different states. In fact, we have 50. People may not know this. I don't know if you know this. State is, and always has been, and always will be, a synonym of country. In Israel, they say, not Israel, which means the state of Israel. State, country, right? It's a country. State was supposed to be a synonym. The United States was created as a union of states that retained all of their sovereignty, except a tiny, tiny bit of a federal government just for military and, and interstate commerce. That's all. You said revolution is better than secession. I'd have to disagree there. Again, we want to keep it as peaceful as possible. You said if they cross, you know, if they violate natural rights, we should revolt. I can sympathize with that, obviously, but peaceful separation would obviously be better. Less people would die. 
another thing I think I should mention is the U.S. government increasingly uses grants and uh, contracts with businesses and grants to states to uh, bind us, to force us to do certain things. We've seen this a lot recently with the grant they offered us, so people started learning about this. I actually have spoken up about this years ago, uh, three, four years ago, how they use grants and give us money and strings are attached and they say you have to do certain things. For instance, we spoke about the Fourth Amendment. I didn't even mention the sobriety checkpoints that you all love where the cops pull you over and say, you're guilty until proven innocent, prove you're not drunk. They pull you over for no reason. They pull over every single car and say, prove you are not drunk. And you say, no, prove that I am drunk because I have a presumption of innocence, right? Though all the sobriety checkpoints, to my knowledge, every single one is federally funded. There are specific grants from the federal government, DHS, I believe, to local and state police. And they say, here's a million bucks. You have to use it for a sobriety checkpoint. Police won't turn down the money because it is money after all. And they do sobriety checkpoints. Same with the drones. Portsmouth Police has eight drones that were all given to them by DHS. Again, once we cut federal ties, all that stuff goes away. You said the New Hampshire economy would, quote, cease to exist if we left D.C. I think we, we spoke about that more than enough. You also mentioned currency a few times, so I pulled out the goldbacks as a joke, obviously. But that's, again, I think that's one of the concerns that's not valid at all. If we left the United States, people in New Hampshire, again, depending on our laws, our leaders would probably be pr pr pretty pro-freedom. It would allow us to use whatever we want for currency and bartering. We could continue using U.S. dollars like a lot of you know, countries around the world do. We can also use gold and silver and many cryptos. Right now, New Hampshire, of all 50 states, I believe is the highest usage per capita of gold and silver and cryptos. So again, we already have infrastructure in place, but to be honest, we could just keep using dollars. We could use whatever we want. There aren't even laws about it, but if there were, screw the laws, we could still use gold and silver and crypto. Like I do, I've bought and sold things with gold and silver and crypto. That's totally not an issue at all. You said the Federal Reserve wouldn't control us anymore and you were sad about it. I I didn't understand why you were sad if the Federal Reserve could no longer uh, destroy our currency if we were independent. You also still seem to believe that one president can save us. You said a president, you know, to be eligible for U.S. president, you have to be born in the United States. And if we secede and then come crawling back, just like the girl in my example who was beaten up, runs away, comes crawling back because she's not going to survive without the abuse of man. If we come crawling back and a person were born theoretically during the time when we were seceded independent, he couldn't be president. And then what if that person were really, you know, uh, second coming of Jesus, then he would have saved the country. You still seem to believe that one person being president can save the country. We just need to elect a better person. Again, we've been saying this, me, my father, and father's father have been saying this every four years for 240 years. What's the definition of insanity? Every two years, elect a better congressman, not Pappas, not someone else. Let's elect the new conservatives. Let's take back the House. Republicans had total control for two years, right? 2017, 2018. Trump, the biggest, most bombastic, maybe he's crazy, but he was an outsider. He was conservative. He believed in freedom as much as maybe any president since Coolidge. And he was the most outsider person. He was not owned by anyone. And he had the whole House and Senate for two years, right? What did he do? Almost nothing, negligible, almost zero in terms of liberty. The national debt continued to climb, the, the violations of liberty. He banned bump stocks in what was the most tyrannical thing in the history of existence of the United States, I would argue. He did things even Obama and Eric Holder as AG said in their wildest dreams they could not do without passing legislation. He did it without legislation. Trump, again, the, the savior, the closest we've had to a savior since uh, Thomas Jefferson, maybe, even could not save the United States. He didn't even try that much to you know, make it more free. In fact, he violated our rights increasingly and increased almost every type of tyranny. You said New Hampshire could be a role model. You know, let's stay in the union and we could be a model and, you know, infect them like a virus. And, you know, then others will copy us and see that, no, we love freedom. And again, do you really think that Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Michigan, California, Oregon, Washington State will ever see us and say, light bulb, capitalism works? Again, they're never going to say that. We've been trying every day for 240 years. If Pelosi and Newsom and Cuomo could be convinced that capitalism works, they would have been convinced in the last 240 years. New Hampshire can be a role model also. And I'll be finishing in one second. Because we can't be a role model because, again, almost everything is federally controlled. We don't have autonomy. That's the whole point. And it comes full circle. The federal government controls what everyone can do. If I want to start a business, one day I want to open up a gym. In order to start a gym, I'll have to jump through thousands of federal regulations and pay federal corporate tax and the income taxes and pay FICA and Social Security, payroll tax whenever I pay my employees. Again, it's all these federal issues. We can't do certain things. We can't start businesses. If you want to start a cannabis business, that's illegal federally. If you want to start a gun business, you need an FFL. So no New Hampshire can't be a role model until we succeed. Then we can be a role model once we're independent and maybe the other 49 states will follow suit and implode DC. <laughs> Negative. Whether he likes it or not, whether the rest of you like it or not, the Union will always win, very, very sadly. Okay, Let's look at the Civil War just one more time for, for, for an example. The Confederates, uh, the, the Confederates, they got themselves obliterated. They were rebels. They rebelled against the Union. And nonetheless, the Union ultimately ended up winning. And the Union just so happened to be located in the northern portion of what was originally the United States of America. And I do not believe that you are giving the American people enough credit if that should be the case. When unions are formed, let's take a look at um, Webster. What was her name? Nora Webster? Is that, is that, I, mean, I have to go back and, 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 and double check the research. We originally invented it. So that was the antithesis of the free market. But the point is, is this. 
When you have a multitude of people who are categorically convinced that there is something that is worth fighting for, that is where the fight comes from. So if, the, if, if a secession from the rest of the country is really what you want to go through with, um, you can go ahead and do so. You mentioned cryptocurrency that I do want to uh, capitalize on, no pun intended. I was amazed to hear you say that you actually believe that cryptocurrency is more or less one of the sustaining lifebloods of this uh, economy that would work when Bitcoin, the truth about Bitcoin, where does all this money come from? It comes from human trafficking, money laundering, prostitution, drug cartels, black market sales. What, where do you think $68,000 for one share, one share of cryptocurrency has come from over the last five or six years? It is coming from illegal practices at the expense of human life. Part of that includes, believe it or not, when in 2016, there was this huge debate about whether or not aborted fetuses should be sold on eBay, such as car parts. And, 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 and we're supposed to believe that none of that money was flushed into cryptocurrency. I mean, are you kidding me? In any event, getting on board with seceding from the rest of the country, at least in my view, is going to spell out complete disaster. It was amazing to even see that Bitcoin could be publicly traded on Robinhood in the state of New Hampshire just a couple weeks ago. I actually bought about $45 worth of it, and I made 15 bucks. So I was pretty happy about that. And what wasn't a lot, but it doesn't even pay the bills. But the point is I had to wait a really long time, longer than I would have liked to have gotten into uh, Bitcoin on my Robinhood um, um, uh, account. But it, the point is, is that it took New Hampshire all that extra time to get going. Of course, I already missed out on a, on a number of uh, a, a multitude of, of, of cash flow. The point is, is that history does in fact repeat itself. The Civil War, the, who won the Civil War? That would be the Union, capital U for the word Union. Go Union, they won, the Confederates lost. And as history tells us, the Confederate States of America once again came crawling back to the United States. There is something in medicine called a contraction, okay? There's polarization and then there's depolarization. So there's expansion and there's contraction. Eventually, muscle tissue expands so far that it has no choice but to contract. Now, when that happens, you can safely think of the muscle tissue that is physiologically contracting, going back to the original state that was normally in, but it's actually flipping, flip-flopping to the polar opposite sides. So in my view, to secede from the union would actually catch traction for states like Massachusetts, New York, Vermont, who, and the state of Maine, if we assume that they wanted to get on board and they liked the ideas, because Maine is actually a relatively conservative state. Now, Massachusetts would have no choice but become a little more conservative if they wanted to get on board with that. But it sounds as though that if, if that's the case, if that's truly the case, we are getting ready for Civil War II, where the Union will actually be located in the South and the Confederates will be located up in the North. I don't know about you, but a second Civil War wasn't one enough in my humblest opinion, we still haven't even gotten over the first Civil War. If you go down to states such as Mississippi, where I took my cousin in 2012, you can still see for yourself the cotton fields and the houses of the slave owners that are still there. You can revisit its illustrious history, which sadly the Black Lives Matter movement has desecrated so much of it on, which I find to be very, very saddening. Because again, history repeats itself. If we did not learn our lessons from the Civil War in the 1800s, at the time that President Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents that this country ever had, and then who else may finish this work? Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant, as imperfect as he was, as flawed of a human being as he legitimately was, the point is, is that history will repeat itself and seceding from the Union based on either economic reasons or being fed up with, with Washington, D.C., this is exactly how it started before. Now, again, if a violent revolt or a violent revolution is what's required, as Thomas Jefferson tells us, that's fine. That's fine. That's, but that's not what I'm, that's not my possession. Uh, that's not the argument that I'm, that I'm supporting. Although I would support a violent re a revolt because, again, bloodshed of patriot science legitimately, literally means, word for word, bloodshed. It's written right there in the quote. But eventually the point is the union will win again. You can go right ahead and secede, and maybe it'll even last for 100 years. Maybe even last for 200. But the point is, is that history does repeat itself. So before you go seceding from the Union, I would just encourage you to take a good look at Civil War history just one more time and recognize that a multitude of states that were originally American states now became the Confederate states, that's plural, multiple states involved with the Confederacy versus the Union. What ghost of a chance does one state of New Hampshire have all by itself of defeating the greatest country that the world has ever known.